Hello and welcome to this episode of Nucleus Wealth Empower, where I go looking for what the good life is and how finance can support and empower us in achieving that. So following on from our last episode about buying your first home, we're going to today look at one particular aspect of that a little bit deeper. It's going to be mortgage insurance. Our guest today, Martin North, has done some research into lenders' mortgage insurance and found that in the last 24 months to March this year, the number of new loans written with lenders' mortgage insurance has almost doubled. So we're going to have a chat today about that and what this means for you as an individual. As always, though, before I jump into the show, I'd like to start in the spirit of reconciliation and acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to the land, sea and community. I pay my respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. So uh, on to a brief introduction of Martin. So Martin North is the founder of boutique research firm Digital Finance Analytics. Digital Finance Analytics combines primary consumer research, industry modelling, economic analysis and segmentation analytics to offer insight into the dynamics of the Australian property market and is also the host of the popular Walk the World channel on YouTube. Martin, welcome to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Um, okay, so just a quick couple of admin things before we jump into it. Um, please remember that um, we're giving general advice uh, today, so we're not necessarily considering anything that might relate to your personal circumstances, but we hope that you might take something away that you can use. And if you would like to discuss anything, you can also get in touch with us uh, at Nucleus Wealth uh, on one three hundred six two three eight six three or contact at Nucleus Wealth. Uh, and if you haven't already, subscribe and click the notification bell to be notified when we go live or have a new webinar to watch uh, or follow us on your preferred podcast platform and give us a like if you'd be so inclined to help our show grow. Okay, so Martin, I thought maybe the best place for us to start would be with an explanation. So what is lenders mortgage insurance? Yeah. And it's worth going back in history because originally when this product was uh, developed some years ago, it was actually called loan mortgage insurance. But um, people got really confused, and so they changed it to lender's mortgage insurance. And the reason that that's important is because this is a particular type of insurance that's sold alongside a mortgage. And if you are looking to get a loan, let's say above 80%, a loan-to-value ratio, essentially you will need lender's mortgage insurance. And what lender's mortgage insurance does is to protect the lender should you default uh, you know between 80 and 100 percent of the value of the loan now what that means is that you may be able to get a loan bigger than you might otherwise have got from the mortgage provider be it a bank or you know one of the other providers but just to be clear lenders mortgage insurance protects the bank not you so in other words if you were in the situation where that particular mortgage for some reason got into difficulty and you found that you essentially were in default, the lender mortgage insurer, which is a se separate insurance company, will actually pay the bank the difference, but then they reserve the right to come after you, the borrower. So it gives you no protection at all. It simply protects the bank, makes the bank probably more willing to lend, and uh, some would say that it actually has been one of the reasons why we've got home prices relative income so high in Australia at the moment. Right. 
so um, I think just maybe to clarify one of the things I heard you say there, which is that um, if you need to borrow uh, more than 80% of the property, so if you don't have that 20, uh, sorry, 20% deposit, then that's when you might start to be requested by the bank. Is that right? To, well, to pr get pretty much the industry, the industry practice is that anything above 80% will need lender's mortgage insurance unless you are in a particular profession. So, for example, doctors, you may be able to go higher without needing lender's mortgage insurance. And in fact, currently there's a little bit of sort of muddiness there as to precisely under what circumstances the bank will will ask you to take lenders mortgage insurance but um, typically if they're at all worried about your, your status um, if you are a pretty meat and potato type borrower you probably will need it and I'll also make the point that the provider of lenders mortgage insurance is complicated now because there are two external providers that provide it um, QBE and Genworth but there are also captive lended mortgage uh, provider lender mortgage providers inside some of the banks and so sometimes the banks will actually internally provide you with insurance and charge you a fee right so but the point is whichever route you go you have to pay a premium and that premium varies it varies by the size of the loan it varies by the risk profile and how much above the 80 percent you are so you know if you basically are borrowing 95 percent there's a higher risk than 80 percent in terms of the uh, improve so but typically it can be 20 30 40 50 thousand dollars and quite often that's then capitalized back into the mortgage so effectively you add it to the, the mortgage that you're drawing down from the bank which means you're then paying interest on it over the 30 35 40 years whatever the, the term of the mortgage is the last point to make is that premium which is a one-off payment is almost always not refundable so when you come to move unless you specifically ask the lender's mortgage insurer about it, it'll just disappear. So if you're thinking of moving in two or three years time, then that is a significant chunk of additional costs that you suddenly find that you're bearing. Um, and these days with mortgages so big because prices are so high, it can be quite a large amount of money involved. Wow, um, that's huge. I didn't realize that um, that there was even the possibility of, of getting that refund if you were to, uh, to sell that. Most people, most people don't. Most people just assume it's sunk cost. Hmm. What I would say is if you are in the situation where you are thinking of moving, it's worth finding out what the situation is. Now, it's quite complicated because normally the lender's mortgage insurance part of the contract is a subclause in the mortgage contract, right? It's not necessarily a completely separate agreement. And you probably won't get hold of, unless you ask for it, the master policy that relates to this particular um, part of the agreement. So again, quite often what I find when I speak to people who've got lenders mortgage insurance is one, they have no idea that it protects the lender, not themselves. Two, they don't know the terms and conditions of that particular uh, product that they're being sold. And three, they have no idea that they might be able to actually um, get some benefit back from it if you actually then move subsequent. So it's a really one of those things where it's really more complicated than it looks. And frankly, in my experience, a lot of mortgage brokers who sell these types of, of mortgages with, you know, with, with LMI or indeed the banks themselves are very, very bad at telling you the full story because, of course, what they're trying to do is to get you to take that bigger mortgage. And, of course, if you're thinking about getting a property these days, you need a big mortgage. So there's a sort of a win-win a there. But the point is you must read the small print. You must have a look at the detail here 
because it can be quite expensive and there are some risks attached to it. So one of the reasons I really wanted to do the show today was because um, I looked at this research and um, I just couldn't believe how many people didn't understand what lenders mortgage insurance was like it's really alarming it's a lot of money and for people to not know even what it is and what it's doing for them um that scared me so do you want to talk to the stats around that a little bit Martin? yeah so we 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 run household surveys all the time and we ask specifically some questions about lenders mortgage insurance it's a horrible figure right but in round terms about 40 percent of people have no idea really what this is all about at all right and a lot of people also believe it just protects themselves rather than the lender. That's the fundamental point, right? So, in fact, mo- there are more people who have no idea or only partial idea about what lender's mortgage insurance actually is. The minority of those who take it actually understand what its purpose really is. And that's a real big concern. And the problem I've got is that that's been the same for the last 10 years. So there's been no improvement in overall understanding amongst prospective borrowers with regard to lenders, mortgage insurers, and uh, what its purpose is. And I think, frankly, the industry is partly to blame there. Um, But it's a big deal, right? Because if you go into it, assuming that if you get into trouble, the insurer is going to help you repay the bank, forget it, that's not the case. And if you are just confused about what its purpose is in the first place, then you haven't done probably sufficient due diligence as part of your loan application process to make sure you understand. You need to understand the small print. You need to understand what's going on here. And unfortunately, many people don't. It is hard, though, like to defend these people. There's, you know, they're in- incredibly complex contracts. Um yep. And you, you really need someone who's on your side, which is, you know, a lot of the reason I wanted to do the, the last um, what podcast we did about buying your first home, because I just remember when I went into mine, how little I knew. I was lucky enough that I had a great broker that explained lender's mortgage insurance to me and some ways that we could get around that. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I made sure I read the contract and that, but it's really sort of, you, you can, you can, it's not hard to end up in the deep end when you try to get into this stuff. No, that's the problem. So, uh, you know, reading the contract is not very helpful. What you need is you need, um, you know, the lawyer or whoever is working with you uh, with regard to to make sure that um, they help you understand it because it is not straightforward. It's written in um, in legalese. And in fact, I was talking to someone the other day whose mortgage contract was for the lender's mortgage insurance part was longer than the rest of the mortgage put together. It's ridiculous. Wow. So did this come up in the Royal Commission into Banking at all? Um, it's been in a few um, different um, discussions. It was peripherally re- addressed in the uh, Royal Banking Commission. The Productivity Commission looked at this relatively recently, and in fact, there were quite a few discussions with some of the uh, CEOs of the banks. ANZ, in particular, uh, has been very outspoken about the um, inefficiencies and uh, inequalities that lenders' mortgage insurance actually represents. They they now have an alternative themselves. CBA also has an internal alternative for some types of borrowers. What they tend to do is to chuck the most risky ones across the fence to the lenders mortgage insurers. Um, Westpac's just sold their captive insurer. So this this is a, a market in a lot of movement at the moment. But the regulators have been very light touch on this. The other thing that's happened is that most, most recently, APRA has changed the rules, APRA being the regulator of the banks, and has basically given capital um, leeway to banks who actually have lenders mortgage insurers loans. So there's actually a reason why um, perhaps banks will are offering these more. The point to make is, of course, the government offered these first home 
loan um, grants for people, you know, the, the gap between 80 and 95, so to they underwrote them. Now, that's an alternative to lenders' mortgage insurance. So, of course, what happened there was that the fortunate people who got those um, government-backed loans were able to avoid lenders' mortgage insurance. The other thing that's going on is a lot of people, rather than going to the lenders' mortgage insurer and having to pay that um, very big premium, might go and talk to the bank of mum and dad and say to their parents, can you give me the difference between, you know, what I've got and what I need to, to be able to get my um, loan to value ratio below 80%, because then you can get one, a better rate on your mortgage, and two, you don't have to pay the premium. So there are alternatives that people should consider, right, before they get go into this. And the fact is, it's worth taking the time to understand it and understand what it is and what it isn't. Okay. Um, and so if people are interested in this they're loan, they're government loans, right? They're not grants, or are there no, both so, available? So, 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 I mean, there are first-time buyer grants. Well, that's a separate thing. So that's just a cash payment. But this is a particular scheme where up to a certain number of loans each year are made available, um, and the government basically covers the gap between eighty and say ninety-five or whatever it okay. is. Right? There are some there are some different variations there. So um, there are some set rules. Because basically, it has to be under a certain capital amount, and there have to be some. It has to be for residential purposes, not investment purposes, and other things like that. And the amount you can get varies based on where you are geographically speaking. So, but it's all an, another incentive program to try and drag more first-time buyers kicking and screaming into the market, right? So, you know, they, be honest with you, the last couple of years, it's the first-time buyers who've really been propping the market up. There's been a very significant rise in the number of first-time buyers, which is why lenders' mortgage insurance counts have gone so high. And uh, what we've seen is that um, by hook or by crook, first-time buyers are being cajoled into the market, of course, when prices are as high as they've ever been. Um, and interestingly, if you put the grants together and all of the other government incentives, what you discover is that uh, property in this sector of the market has actually gone up by precisely the amount of the government grants and the government um, um, incentive program. So it's, it's, a, it's a zero sum game anyway. Wow, that's huge. Um, do you have a view on how this might um, you know, uh, flow from here in terms of is there an unwind and so, how that might look? Yeah, so there's a couple of things to say. So the first thing is, if you think from a risk perspective, right, you've got all these high risk loans sitting with just two insurers, right? Now, they are managed as separate standalone organizations with their own capital um, buffers and everything else. APRA supervises them. Um, of course, if things started to go terribly wrong and we had a lot of um, falls in house prices and people started defaulting, the first point of failure would be those mortgage insurers themselves. Mm -hmm. And in fact, in the US, around the global financial crisis and the two or three years afterwards when there were significant falls in prices, one of the casualties there were lenders' mortgage insurers because it was actually a thing that was done in the US as well. So that's the first point. The second point is, like I said, if you're actually going through a default cycle and you end up essentially having to sell the property and there's a gap in the value that you've actually been able to create from selling compared with the loan, um, the bank will get paid out by the insurer, but the insurer holds the right to still come after you. So 
we are still on full recourse lending in Australia. So you can't just hand the keys over and say cheers, like in some states in the US, right? So you've got this debt noose around your neck until you've actually either gone bankrupt or until you've paid it off. And uh, we do know of some lenders, mortgage insurers who do chase down, um, down to the last dollar, frankly, what's owed. Um, so again, you know, in a difficult situation, that's a point to make um, yourself aware of. The third point is, when you're actually thinking about buying, and if you're a first-time buyer, you know, prices are very high at the moment. And of course, the market is um, still spruiking, prices will continue to rise. But in fact, it's much more complicated than that. So we know, for example, that apartment prices are actually still going backwards. We know that some home and land packages are now going backwards from where they were previously. And worryingly, a lot of those first-time buyers who contracted into first-time buyer land through home and land packages over the last 12 months or so are now contracted into a property whose price is now on the move again because the construction costs and the availability of of traders and builders has just gone out the window. You can't get the parts, you can't get the workers. So now the costs of those properties are significantly higher. And many of those building contracts actually had escalator cost clauses in them, which means that whilst you might have thought you had a fixed price agreement for the homeland package, there is a cost exclusion. So suddenly you might need to borrow more than you thought, which then might put pressure on your mortgage lender which means that you might actually end up having to borrow more than you thought, which means you might need lenders mortgage insurance if you didn't think you need it in the first place. So there's a whole bunch of complicated things here that people need to get their head around. Wow. Yes, it's a lot. Um, all right. So um, I don't know if maybe we could just pause and, and recap some of the, the key takeaways for mm. people to be conscious of um, around this. And then maybe after that, we can talk about um, if you're already in one, what are some of the things you can, can do? I mean, I'm not, not sure how much we'll have to add to that, but let, let's see how we go. <laughs> so, okay. Um Lenders mortgage insurance, it's it's there if you um, generally need to borrow more than 80% of the value of the property from the bank. Um, it's insuring the bank against if they, uh, if you default and they need to repossess the house and sell it, uh, if they make a loss on that. Um, so that's, it's not doing anything for you as the individual buyer, except helping you to get the mortgage, the larger mortgage. Um, and if the bank does have to repossess the property, then um, you could still be on the hook for anything that the mortgage uh, or the insurer has to pay out to the bank. They could come and get that from you because there's full recourse. Correct. Yes. And just to be um, clear, it's, it's only between 80 and above, right? So below that, you're, it's just a standard. There's no protection at all. It's only between 80 and the price you paid, right? So that's the bit that's at risk from the lender's mortgage insurer. Okay, so if so, if you borrowed ninety five percent, and then say that fifteen, but if ninety five percent, fifteen percent will be covered by the the lender's mortgage insurance premium. If in fact, when you sold okay. the property, you ended up with less than that, then that amount would be paid out. The fifteen percent would be paid out by the insurer to the lender, but then they might come back after you to try and get the difference. So the bank might come back after you and the mortgage insurer. Correct. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, <laughs> it gets worse. It does um, get worse. <laughs> but uh, if you're going into one of these, um, 
you do have the potential option to uh, negotiate refundability uh, if you do decide to leave the property. So that uh, you know, twenty so, so, to fifty thousand dollars you might have had to spend on that. You could see some of that back if you can get that clause yeah. in there. So you need to ask the question on the way in. It's worth asking whether it's ever refundable under what circumstances. That's a really, really good question to ask. Um, okay. They don't like answering that question, but it's worth asking. And then secondly, in some cases, you can. Depends how long the premiums have been. Um, running for and those sorts of things. But if it's a relatively short time and you make a lot of fuss, you may be able to get some of the premium back. Okay. Um, and then the two last points I think I have at the top of my head is that there are ways to get around lend lenders mortgage insurance if you don't have that 20% deposit. Uh, for example, you've mentioned government loan schemes uh, where you'd have to repay it back eventually or potentially uh, parents or a friend or family member might be able to, is it co-guarantee or put up some Not, assets? They, they, could, they, they could actually just give you cash or they could be a, guarant a guarantor. It depends on the particular circumstances. And just with the, go the government scheme, what they do is they guarantee the 80 to 95, right? So it's a replacement for lender's mortgage insurance, right? Okay. You, still, you still get the full amount from the, from the, the, the bank, but the bank, again, is protected from 80 to 95 in the case of okay. a... 95% mortgage. So that's okay. the way that works. Alrighty. So do you think have I missed any major points there? Uh, I do want to make one other point. Of course, the yes, other way please. to avoid all of this is to save more, right? Okay. So come or in. Or spend less. Or spell, spend less, save more. In other words, don't get such a big mortgage, get a smaller mortgage or save, save before you actually go into the market. Because if you actually can come in below that 80%, one, you get a cheaper rate. And two, you don't have all these overheads and all these extra fees and costs that we're talking about. So it can be quite advantageous. A lot of people don't do the math, right? And what I find quite often when I speak to people is they spend a lot of time trying to stretch their budget to the max to be able to get that perfect property. You know, sometimes it's better to compromise. Just come down the market a little bit and recognize that you're on your first purchase. It won't be perfect, right? You're going to have to make some compromise anyway. But if you can make a compromise such that your financial position is much more secure, particularly in the current environment when incomes are not growing and costs are rising and interest rates may well rise ahead, then it may well be much more sensible to be a little bit more conservative than the banks would encourage you to borrow to or indeed mortgage brokers who always, of course, want to give you the biggest loan possible. Um, absolutely. And actually, to add to that, one of the things we spoke about last time with Steve was, um, you know, you, you want to be really conscious of what that's going to leave you with because the banks, yep. are, they're willing to lend you a lot and that can um, end up with a significant impact on your lifestyle. So you really want to think about what this means for 30 years or, or mm. however long it's going to be. Well, there's two points there. People assume that if the bank says you can have the loan, they assume that they've done all the calculations for you and it's perfectly affordable. That's not true. All they're doing is assessing it from a risk perspective, from their perspective, right? Now, they have an obligation at the moment under the ASIC rules to make sure that the loan is, quote, not unsuitable, but it's very vague as to what that actually means. So just because the bank says you can, you know, borrow 500000 or a million dollars doesn't necessarily mean it's sensible for you. What you need to do is to develop your own cash flows. And in fact, um, ASIC's Money Smart website has some very good um, calculators there. Work out what it looks like and then run some counterfactuals. What happens if interest rates go up 2% or what happens if, you know, your job changes and you don't get the income that you currently get or, you know, all those things, right? 
it's worth just running through those rather than just swallowing the story that, yeah, sure, it's affordable, not a problem. You know, you're paying this in rent at the moment while you're not going to be paying any more, which is quite often the story that uh, mortgage brokers use. Just remember that once you've got the property, you've got rents, you've got rates, power, maintenance, ongoing costs, right? A property is not a cheap thing to maintain, right, as well as the mortgage. And remember this, that there is a risk with rates being so low at the moment that mortgage rates could rise later. So you need to be thinking over the 20 to 30 year horizon. The average mortgage rate over the long term in Australia is about 7%, not the 2.5% or even 2% that it is today. And that's worth bearing in mind too. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, all righty. So do we want to talk about if you're already in this situation, what are some of the things that you could maybe do to protect <laughs> right. yourself going forward? So, so the first point is that um, if you start paying down the mortgage and essentially you get below that loan-to-value ratio, um, you don't get the premium back, right? That's a myth that's around out there. It doesn't doesn't work like that. So once you've, once you've taken the premium, the premium is paid, right? The only situation that I've seen where you can actually negotiate to get some of it back is if you then subsequently move and uh, you know, move to another property, uh, or indeed um, go to another lender and let borrow less, right? Now, in those situations, you have to be very proactive about it and ask the um, the bank, who will probably not want to have the conversation but persist, and uh, you might be able to get some of it. I've heard of some people who've got, for example, half the premium back having moved 18 months later. So, you know, it's worth it's worth shopping around. But like I said, once you've committed to it, you are committed to it. You don't suddenly get it back when you reduce the um, the value of your mortgage. All right. Um, actually, there's one more point I wanted to jump into, if you don't mind, Martin. Um, so you touched on this uh, idea that typically there's the two main external uh, lenders mortgage insurers, but... Um, that the banks have actually started going into this space and providing the insurance themselves. So I guess in my mind, that makes me a little bit concerned because it is double incentivizing the bank to push you into something higher. And so obviously we've discussed the regulatory side of that, but mm. am I thinking about that the right way or are. are there other concerns? No, absolutely. So the first point is it allows the banks to lend more at a higher loan-to-value ratio. And as like I said, APRA has given them capital relief, so they're quite keen to do it. Um, and sometimes, you know, perhaps their due diligence processes will be less robust because they know they've got this extra protection. The other point, though, it's generating additional income for them, isn't it? Because they're going to charge you an extra fee, you know, 20, 30,000, whatever it is, right? And or they might even put the interest rate up on your mortgage as a result of it. So both those actually generate more revenue to the bank. So my view is that the reason they've done this is because they can actually generate more revenue. They don't have to effectively pay as much to the mortgage insurer. And, uh, you know, all of those things mean that the uh, formulation for the bank is actually in their favour. Remember, folks, if you're talking to your bank, the bank is interested in their bottom line, not yours. Absolutely. Um, and wh so when, when you're talking to a bank and they're saying you'll need LMI, um, can you ask them who's going to provide it? And do you have a choice in that? You almost always don't have a choice. They normally okay. have a particular contract with one of the 
lenders, mortgage insurers. The only question is whether, in fact, it's an internal or an external one. And there is a little bit of uh, fluffiness sometimes with some lenders as to whether they'll do it internally or whether they'll do it externally. So it is worth asking the question, who is the um, lenders, mortgage insurer, insurer provider? What is the premium? What are the terms under which the premium is actually calculated? And uh, under what circumstances could the premium be refunded? Those are the questions that I would ask, um, if, assuming that you're in the situation where you're going to need to grab lenders mortgage insurance. Okay. I think that's a great place to end, Martin, uh, with those few questions for people to be aware of when they're heading into this situation. Uh, so thank you so much for your time today and sharing your knowledge and research in this area. Um, do you want to maybe tell listeners where they can get in touch with you and hear more from you? Sure, absolutely. Well, thank you for your time today. And this is really important, and I'm quite passionate about this because I think people are being taken to the cleaners. So anything we can do to help is is great. Uh, and if you want to find out more, my YouTube channel is called Walk the World, and uh, we have daily shows there about finance, economics, and property. And I also have a blog at digitalfinanceanalytics.com.au. And if you want to ask me a specific question, you can go to the blog, and send me a question, and I'll try and help. Excellent. Uh, and so then before I say goodbye to listeners for today, if you have any feedback for me about this episode or any ideas for future topics, uh, please let me know either in the YouTube's comment section uh, or send me an email at contact at nucleuswealth.com. Uh, and uh, did you know that Nucleus Wealth actually offers personalised investment portfolios uh, and that we offer limited investment advice around that? You can find out more about that at nucleuswealth.com or you can give us a call on 1300 623 863. Uh, thanks to my producer, Jaden Sten, for his work today and all, all our other episodes. And um, thanks again for myself and the team. And we look forward to catch you on the next one. <laughs>